Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast, an extension of doodlekisses.com. I'm your host, Adina Pearson. Doodlekisses.com is the social network for Labradoodle and Golden Doodle owners, wannabe owners, and the Doodle Curious. The goal of this podcast is to provide education, entertainment, and connect with our Doodle Kisses members on the topic of Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, and dogs in general. Most doodle owners choose a doodle because they believe it will be a nice family dog, whether they are a family of one or a family of six. What many people don't realize is that doodles, especially Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, and Aussie Doodles, are dogs that come from four very athletic breeds who are capable of participating in all sorts of dog sports, agility, obedience, tracking, rally, and more. Today, I'm bringing you interviews with two doodle owners who have focused their efforts in this area, Gina and Bonnie. In fact, Bonnie's dog has earned the very prestigious title of versatile dog. In fact, Jiggy might be the only doodle out there with this title. I'm hoping this episode will encourage you to get out there and do fun things with your doodles as soon as it is safe to do so. In the meantime, the AKC has opened up the opportunity to get a couple of titles right from your home. You just need to be able to record video evidence and submit it. I will link to this information in our show notes. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Gina. Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast. Thank you, Adina. It's nice to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Tina has been a member of Doodle Kisses for a long, long time. When did you join? Do you remember? Um, let's see. I joined right after I got Kona, my first Labradoodle. And that, let's see, she was born in 2007. So right after that. Yeah. Like in that year. Because uh-huh. I was on uh, Dogster for a while. And then all the Doodle people transferred over to you. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, well, where'd everybody go? So I just followed everybody over. <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if anybody else remembers Dogster. Like it's until someone mentions it, I'm like, what's that? <laughs> Way out of my mind. I think we, I'm trying to think if we, I don't remember anymore if we were spring of 08 or spring of 09, but I'm that's probably going to that, those two years. I'm thinking because yeah. I know it was really quick and I started meeting a lot of people and making a lot of friends even within my my own city because of uh, Doodle Kisses. So tell us your dog story. So I, I didn't grow up with dogs. My brother bought a dog from a pet store, like this was 35 years ago. And um, he couldn't really take care of the dog. He couldn't afford him, he couldn't, and he ended up moving back home with us. So of course this dog was totally drawn to me and so within a year, my brother's like, well, I'm just going to give him to you. <laughs> so he became, he was already mine, but he officially became mine. And uh, he was a stand, he was a standard poodle cocker spaniel. So he was a, this a cockapoo. Like, is about, yeah, he was a bigger cockapoo. And I didn't know anything about dogs and we didn't do anything. I mean, we walked, we, you know, but there were no dog parks at the time. There were no, I didn't do any sports. I didn't do, I didn't know about any of it. So he and I just hung out our whole life, you know, his whole life. And he lived till he was almost 16 years old. Wow. Awesome dog. And so I wanted the same mix because he was so awesome. So I went online and 
So my brother paid $50 for this little guy. Right? Oh my goodness. And when I went online to look for another one, the, the designer dogs had just started. And um, I ended up with Buddy, who is, um, was a 50-50 standard poodle Cocker Spaniel. She said, oh, he's going to get 40 pounds. Well, he got 60. <laughs> More like a standard poodle than a Cocker. Yeah. And, um, oh, but, and he looked very poodle-ish. He looked like a golden doodle. And um, oh, he was a tough dog. And I remember you talking about your, your puppy, too. Uh, bitey and barky and just hanging off our clothes. I mean, it was incredible. So I'm like, what am I, as a matter of fact, I'm like, can I give this one back? Because I just had the sweetest dog for 16 years. And now I have this dog that doesn't even want to cuddle or kiss or any of that stuff. So I called a trainer and I'm like, he's biting. He's like, but he's killing us. And uh, she, she taught us about um, timing him out. So I, that's what I did. I timed him out. He went back in his crate. I know I probably wouldn't use a crate now, but back then I used a crate. And every time he, his teeth touched me, I, in the crate he goes, she goes, start with 30 seconds. I said, and if he comes back and bites me again, she goes, turn him around and put him right back in. So that's what I did. And I'd say within a week, he never bit me again. Wow. Brought our whole, like our whole life together. He, he would bite he would go for my husband because my husband said, Oh, I want to be his friend. I don't want to. I'm like, Hey, go at it. <laughs> right? That's it's so funny. Harder to train the husband sometimes than it is. <laughs> we were the opposite here in my household. Like dogs all love and respect Clark. They uh-huh. will do nothing to him. And right? I'm the one that was like getting like eaten up by my old puppy Roscoe. <laughs> so, um, so that's how we got into the training with obedience wise. And, um, he was doing so well and he turned around so fast and that my trainer said, would you like to try rally obedience? And I'm like, well, what the heck is that? And she's like, well, it's all the stuff that you learn that you teach your dog sit and down and stay and, and a few little, a few more things, but, um, it's, done by sign so you read the sign you ask the dog to do the what the sign says and then you move on to the next so it starts with about 12 or 13 in the very beginning and it moves on to I don't know 15 to maybe 20 signs within a small area and it was great so I I we signed them up and we we went all the way through to excellent in AKC I did that Mm -hmm. with both the dogs because I, I feel like if you're going to live with a dog, you should be able to, you, you shouldn't be fighting with them all the time. You should coexist with each other. And if they don't have obedience and they don't understand what you want of them, that you can't, uh, it, the relationship isn't as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, they're, they're just a joy when, when they know, oh, I have to relax, or oh, we're going to do this, or oh, we're going to do that. They know exactly what you expect of them. So, um, so, that, so I did that with Kona, too, and she was a little different. She was a little more... Um, when did Kona high. come along? Oh, Kona came along, so I wanted to get Buddy a buddy. A buddy. <laughs> and I went to the same breeder, and I wanted another... Thought, oh, let's just get another cuckoo. You know, they're wonderful, and now that I dealt with this, you know, I can handle anything right so uh she but all she had was black and black was the one that I lost a black color and I just couldn't do it I couldn't I couldn't do it yet 
So um, she said, but I do have a brown Labradoodle. And I'm, I'm like, I'd always thought Labradoodles sounded so cool, like the, the, the combination of the two breeds. And I thought I'd never be able to afford one because they were so expensive when they first came out. Mm-hmm. And they were only doing it for the, for the service dog and that. So when she said, and she gave me a break because I'm, you know, I went to her for the second time and her second dog. And um, I'm like, okay. So she showed me this picture of this little chocolate hunk of, you know, I mean, she looked like a dark chocolate <laughs> piece of chocolate. And she was wavy, so I knew she was going to be curly. And I like that because I like the non-shedding. And, um, but she came with her own issues. She came with, she was shy. She was, she would go off on people that had hats or had something on their back that looked just totally different than what we were really tall people. She, and kids, the kids, it wasn't aggression. It, I still can't explain it. She'd like wag her tail, like nicely wag her tail, go up to him and it was like, almost like she wanted to talk to him or but she scared the crap out of him so, <laughs> but she would actually follow people that looked odd and bark at them and she uh-huh. barked in a way that you could not get her attention so I actually did have to use a citronella on her for a little bit the collar the collar mm-hmm. but I think it only went off twice on her and all I had to do was say do you want this and she'd be like oh okay <laughs> so somehow she knew she knew she's that it was smart. oh she's very smart so uh, but those were all different issues, right? She did great in route. Oh my God. She never missed her. She, she went all the way through excellent and we never missed a, we just moved on. She was awesome. But when we got to that top excellent, there's another part of it where you have to do it twice in a day. And neither one really wanted to do that. They were like, "Eh, we're kind of done. So I'm like, okay, what else could we do? You know, I thought, well, they're a little older to start um, agility and my girlfriend had just become an instructor for a new sport called nose work. So I'm like, oh, what the heck? She was going through classes and she needed people. And so I said, okay. And she explained the sport. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. Because so the, that sport, um, you train your dog on food first to, to hunt, mm-hmm. which is a nat- natural ability to most dogs. And then you pair the food with uh, a scent, which in an ACSW, which is the one we primarily do, uh, birch, anise, and clove for essential oils. Okay. So we pair those and we teach them to hunt those oils, just mm-hmm. like you would a bomb sniffing dog or a drug sniffing dog. They mm-hmm. pretty much do it the same way. And the people that created NACSW are actually. Um, working um drug and uh i believe it was drug and bombs and they just decide to bring it to their class you know just like have fun with it with the classes that they were teaching and it mm-hmm. became a sport it is just amazing oh that's neat but what it brings is it brings the ability of the human to have to learn the dog so it's kind of opposite of what obedience is so mm-hmm. obedience, we're telling the dogs, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have, you have to do what I'm asking you to do. In um, nose work, you have no idea where the scent is because you can't smell it, you can't find it, but the dogs have different changes of behavior and different things that clue you in to 
where they're going and how they're searching. So you have to stand back and learn your, learn your dog. Mm. It's very, um, like for a sensitive dog or a shelter dog or a dog that has fears, it kind of relaxes them and allows them to get more in tune with their dog, their own feelings rather than any anybody that's putting it on them. Mm-hmm. So um, you find a lot of dogs that gain confidence. I, I, so I have gone to classes with NACSW to become an instructor. So I'm almost there. I just have one more step to do. Be- so I'm in ANWIs and then a CNWI is a certified instructor. Okay. So I have one more thing that I have to get in. I'm hoping to do that this month. But um, it's just amazing. You start with food in a box and you just move on from there. Um, NACSW starts with food in a box because the box sets up an expectation for the dogs. So when you transfer that to an exterior search, um, you can bring all the boxes outside and they're like, oh, we're going to play the nose work game. So it, it's a really nice transition and it's easy to teach those dogs that have a little less confidence. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I got into it and why I love it so much because I love to see the dogs blossom and they really do. It's, it's really incredible. And the people that really en- enjoy watching their dogs do that are hooked because it's, it's, it's fun to watch your dogs have fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, when you first have kids and they're discovering all the were, you know, cool things around you. It's when I had dogs before kids, like everything that I could think of to make life fun or to do something exciting was a, a joy for me. Um, so you mentioned you start off with something in a box or training them to hunt for a specific food. So can you give an example of how someone would set this up at home? Like if they were just trying to picture this the way it runs. So um, the, the easiest thing would take, let's say your dog's eating kibble. If your dog's eating kibble, you could hide their kibble all over the living room and just let them hunt for it. Just not even in a box, just let them go. Just, that's how I started my dogs. I had a professor who said, hey, this is the coolest game that I always play with my dog. I just hide their food or I hide their treats. And then I put them in a sit stay while I do that. And then I let them go. So I've been doing this with my dog since they were puppies. And when this sport came along, I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) They're experts. His buddy is like, yeah, chicken. (laughs) Because I use chicken a lot with him and he loves chicken. He loved chicken. So, So you can start with just food or just start with like your prime boxes or whatever you get from wherever and use a kind of a shallower one to put the food in and then put that out with all the other boxes and let them start investigating all the boxes until they find the food in the box. Then you can start to move the box and maybe hide it behind another box. So it takes their brain a little bit more to, and their nose to start following it around to find it behind mm-hmm. or underneath. You know, you can start making puzzles for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the scent is a little harder. You might want, you probably want to go to a class for them to yeah. help, you know, for an instructor to help you out with that. But there's a lot of classes out there because there's a lot of, not only is there NACSW, you have AKC, you have UKC, you have, um, there's like, a Can- Canada has one. There's a lot of different, it's exploded. It's really exploded. Yeah. So right now during COVID, um, <laughs> you're on your own. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's perfect to practice. Right. So when you when you start the initial practice, is it just sort of like, you know, in your head, there's stuff there, but you don't say anything. You're not like you don't doing the dog that you need to go find something me, so they even know. Right. I don't say anything because it's their nose that is the, is the important part. So you could use a find or a search, or you could use a word to start them out so they know the context. But as soon as they see those boxes in like, Two times they're going to know exactly what they're there for, mm-hmm. and they're and then they're going to search. And if you have a food made motivated dog, they're not going to have a problem at all. And you can up the. I always say use use good treats when you're doing this because use chicken, use hot dogs, use because it just motivates them more. Have you ever had a problem with because they're expecting something in a box that they tear boxes open? <laughs> like there's the UPS box, there's the Amazon. Oh, you box. know what? No, because there's not the scent or the food in it. That's true. Yeah, that's motivation, and that's what you want to have that motivation for. And the fun thing, and this is why Buddy liked this sport so much, was um, you always get to treat when they find the scent. They get a treat at the source. Mm-hmm. That was my hardest part with him going through rally is that he didn't get the treat when he got did what he was supposed to do he had to wait till the very end so he's like we're halfway through and he's like you don't really have a hot dog in your hand do you (laughs) so we'd be like oh maybe i'll go sniff over here and that's the obedience part right you need Uh to get him back into a heel but uh yeah he was funny that way but as soon as we started the nose work he was like oh yeah i'm in this for life because i get chicken every time i find (laughs) so with with this with the food in the box at home, it wouldn't be the food in the box that's the reward. It would be like you found the right box and here's here's a treat. Yes, you can. In the beginning, we just let them find the food. So okay. we don't, but we can celebrate. Good boy, good. You know, you because you, that's another part of it. Mm-hmm. Some people are serious, you know, a little serious about it, but it it should be fun. In my opinion, it should be fun. Yeah. You can celebrate with your dog. It makes your dog happy. It makes you happy. It puts a smile on your face. And and to me, that's what it's all about. You know, I mean, we compete. We my dogs are awesome. My dogs have been awesome. And I can't wait to start competing with this little guy because he's incredible. Cause he's my first dog that I've been able to start as a puppy. So he has nothing, there's nothing there to inhibit him in going straight for what he wants. Yeah. He's on all the scent already. He passed his ORTs, which is a little practice that um, shows whether they can identify the odor or not before you can enter into NACSW's competitions. Um, And he, you know, he did awesome. So, and we only started scent in, I want to say September. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't been on it for that long, but he's, he's crazy. He's how old is he? He is a year, he was a year in November, so like 14 months now. Okay, yeah. Quite a year and a half. And is he a pretty high drive dog? He is a higher, uh, you know, Buddy was fairly, you remember, I knew nothing when I got Buddy, so I, he, I think he was higher drive than I remember, mm-hmm. you know, back there, but this, he's very high, he's high drive, but he is not, he shares his drive, like, Buddy was my dog. Mm-hmm. But she shares it with my husband. So if I'm if I'm like, okay, that's enough with the toy, <laughs> he'll be okay. And then he'll run over to my husband and get him to play with him for a little while. So he does have a little more energy, but that's what I wanted this time around because I think I'm ready for it. Yeah. I think you have to learn what you're ready for. You know, if I would have gotten him first, I think I would he'd be a little more annoying, you know, but 
we channel it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very, uh, he's the, such a, he, he almost reminds me of the very first dog with how sweet he is. Cause he's oh. sweet, sweet, sweet. Not a mean bone in his body. He's, he's really, and he wants to please. And he's got that Aussie stick to you, you know, like you walk and he's like, you're like, oh, you're right there. Always <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, <he's> right there. <laughs> so that takes a little getting used to because my other dogs were older and they were like conked out in a corner, you know, for, for most, a lot of the day, you know, as they yeah. because Kona will be 13 in July. Wow. That's but okay. he was 13 when I, right before he passed. So, but yeah, he, this little guy is the best thing that could have came around. I know it, it, it's tough losing your heart dog and trying to even think about getting another, but yeah, he was meant to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Totally. And with, you know, drive and dogs, it can be a wonderful thing if you have plans for how to challenge it, channel it, right? Like some people look for high drive dogs in order to do agility or specific sports. And those who, those of us who are kind of more laid back, (laughs) stay at home folks need to pick the lower drive (laughs) among them. Absolutely. Like Kona was, is very low drive. She's a I mean, people talk about Labradoodles, but she's, she's a medium. So she's like 32 pounds, 17 inches. And, um, she's got, she's happy to watch (laughs) much, much much lower drive than Mm -hmm. Buddy or Bachi is now. So, um, and it's kind of nice to have one of each, you know, because you can Mm -hmm. channel the one and the other one's not, you don't have to worry too much about the other one. I mean, yeah. she still loves to play. She still plays. She's still competing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she loves it. As a matter of fact, it's kind of, uh, it motivates her because he's playing now. Oh, like, oh. keeps her young. Yes, yes, yes. I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. I, yeah, Roscoe was my very mellow dog. He was the one that was the bitey, nipping, you know, he wasn't really a crazy puppy except for those moments. And he, I would say he was low drive, except in certain cases, and maybe that's not even the definition of drive, so I'm messing it all up for everybody, but he was pretty mellow. Like I could, if I walked a long walk with him, by the, on the way back, he would be slightly behind me. He would be mm-hmm. like, oh, this walk is so long. <laughs> he'd be, you know, if it, was, <laughs> if it was over 70 degrees, he'd be hot and bothered and just yeah. like too much, too much work. But if there was a cat, he probably would have chased that cat six miles at least nonstop. One time I had him in our front yard and he was, and I put in one of those ground stakes. What are they called? Tie down things Mm -hmm. while I was doing something on the porch or doing something on the front lawn to have him nearby, but have him um, tied down. Well, our neighbor's Chihuahua who was always getting out, happened to get out and walked across the street. And I did not put that stake in the ground properly because Roscoe, ran with the stake behind him chasing the chihuahua down the street i was so scared and then he came back the chihuahua ran into their yard and roscoe went into their yard after him and ended up in their house (laughs) i mean so small dogs and cats if he has something like that to chase he would have chased them forever otherwise he's pretty mellow and lazy that's funny that that's funny it reminds me of my first dog. I had picked up my uh, stepson from school and he was like seven years old and he always fall, fell asleep in the back seat. So he fell asleep in the back seat of the car and Scrappy was back there 
and I had the windows open because it was a little warm. And I was just going into the grocery store to pick up a couple of things and I get into the, the produce aisle and here comes my dog running down the produce aisle. Oh. <laughs> and the little bad boy was behind him chasing. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. He was like, happy. And he's like, oh, there you are. <laughs> So I put all my stuff down and I walked back to the car and I'm like, are you crazy? Covered dog? your face. But, yeah, talk about embarrassing, right? Thank God the door was right there. But yeah. They're, they're, he's, he, all my dogs are very attached. Mm-hmm. That's but, so uh, funny. Yeah. He's, 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 he was a character. <laughs> Roscoe was attached in the house, but outside of the house, he was a free man and he wanted no attachment. And this is another funny story about him. We were at a playground. Uh, school was out. I don't know if it was summer or just no school at the time. Maybe it was a weekend. And I was playing fetch with him and whatnot. And then I decided, well, it's time to go. And he's like way out ahead of me. And he wouldn't come. If I started walking toward him, he'd run farther and then stop and wait and see what I did. And so I started walking toward the car thinking, well, if he's going to follow me eventually. He's not going to stay out there walked through the car. Nope, nothing. He, he just laid there and watched me. And it, it was quite a ways away. Got in the car, still nothing. Turned on the car, still nothing. So I drove away because the, the school had sort of a back area where I was parked. And then if you go all the way around to the front, you kind of end up seeing the same playground on the other parking lot side. I'm making all these hand gestures and nobody can see them <laughs> but you. But anyway, I drove all the way around the school arced on the other side of the school, got out, and suddenly he wasn't anywhere, and my heart just dropped. He was on the playground, and eventually he came around and found me. He was looking for me. So once I left, he was like, uh-oh, she oh. was serious. <laughs> oh, again, another time he scared me, but he was there. He, he did find him right away. <laughs> and Yeah, he was an odd dog like that. If he was free out in the open, he thought there was no need to stay close, but in the house, he'd follow me everywhere. So I'm wondering, I want to get back to rally because mm-hmm. rally is something like I'm, I'm a little more black and white in my thinking when it comes to obedience. And there's like, there's sit and there's stay and there's recall and there's healing and you just do them. And when I try to wrap my mind around rally, I get confused because there's all these like different kinds of turns and you do this and you can kind of like in my, the way I do obedience is like one command. That's it. There's no like slapping your thigh. There's no, come on you know, come on, Roscoe, come on, Boca. It's just, here's the command. And now the dog has to do it. I don't know if anyone else is like me, but tell me more about how rally works and how it's different. I know that there's signs, but how else is it different? You know, so you come to the sign that says do 180 degree turn. Mm-hmm. And is that, is there a command or is it just healing or? Yes. If, if you can get a heel down, that's half your battle. When it comes to rally, you can do hand signals or they will also start to understand right and left. If you say like you're going to turn to the left, left, or your hand signal, you know, that way. I do a lot of luring in the beginning, you know, with a treat in my hand. Uh, not so much with Bachi because he's just really attentive and he doesn't need it. He doesn't need the treat. He's just super happy to, to, uh-huh. to play. Just staring at you and what you're going to do yeah. next. Yeah, what's next? There is a, I wanted to give you, there's a really great app that you can download for Rally. It's called, it's K9 Rally app. K and the number nine, mm-hmm. Rally, A-P-P app. 
once you download it, it gives you all the signs and it goes in order. So it's the novice ones first, which is what you'll need first, and then goes on to the advanced and then the excellent. And then when you click on it, it'll give you the explanation of the sign. Mm -hmm. And there's a link to YouTube that shows you exactly how to do the sign. Oh, neat. So that's invaluable because mm -hmm. for people, especially who are trying to do it on their own, um, you can just watch exactly what you're, and then you can kind of figure out what, what you need to do to get your dog to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of classes for rally too. Mm -hmm. Even when you take a walk, you can string a lot of signs together because there's a lot of signs that are just straight. And then they use the right and the left to like make a square. So in a rally ring, it's so big and it's a big square. And these signs just move you around that ring in a circle to the right, to the left, a sit, a down. And then the other good one to practice is like a sit and a stay and then walk around your dog and come to a complete stop next to them and move on. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these things you can do on your walk and on leash for the, ver for the, I want to say for the novice and the first advanced is on leash. So, and you have to pass that three times before you get your title to move on to the next. Mm -hmm. So you, you have enough time to move, you know, to kind of get that before you go off leash with it all. But it does get a little harder as you move up. There's some really different signs, which I haven't seen because I haven't done it in a while. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've done it in like, what, 10 years? <laughs> so it's interesting. But he's picked it up really quick. And I've, I've remembered a lot from how I taught my other two. Mm -hmm. But um, it, once again, it's your relationship with your dog and um, how fun do you make it. And, and some dogs their relationship with you if you're not that happy happy trainer type of person it's um it's the treats or it's the good dog or you know however you reward your dog mm -hmm. but the fun thing about rally is you can be as silly as you want to you can be as happy as you want to with your dog you can celebrate with your dog even it's um, a lot more interactive yes uh -huh. yes it's not just um rover come you can like do more to get him there? Is that right? Or no? Um, is there still just one command? It's still just the one command. But, you, but as they do it, like as they come front, you, you do a come front and then you do a finish. You go, oh, what a good boy. Come on, let's go do that next sign. Okay. And then, so you, it, it's not that silence in between. You can jolly them, you know, and, and just uh, the more I jolly yeah. him, uh, the prancier he gets. I uh -huh. mean, it's adorable. You know, I have his, his videos and I'm like, wow, he's doing really good for, you know, we've only been doing this for a couple of months. And I was shocked. I was just shocked that he didn't take off on me, you know, yeah. <laughs> around and because I thought it was a little soon, but I'm not traveling for a rally. I travel for all the other stuff, but rally, I'm going to try to get the uh, AKC events that are in my town or mm -hmm. closer to me. Yeah. It's it nice that you have, <laughs> you have the option of going to things locally. Yes. But, but yeah, if you download that app and you get, or you can print them off mm -hmm. rally signs and you can use your backyard where you can make a map. You can even join some Facebook groups that are rally mm -hmm. and they will give you signs that other judges use for the level that you're at. And you can set up your own uh, little rally course in your yard or a park, mm -hmm. something oh, like awesome. that. It's really not that difficult. And if, if you can just get those to give you a little bit of a, 
idea of how the signs work and how they all go together. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fun and I, I like to be, I'm a happy person. I like my dogs to be happy and yeah, enjoy that relationship with them. So it, I, I've always enjoyed the rally and then the nose work just expanded on that because it kind of flipped it. Right. It, it was like, I'm no longer telling them what to do. I'm, I'm relying on, you know, teaching them is one thing and then relying on them to do the, what they're supposed to do and then being so happy about it that, and you know, they get treats and they, and mom's happy and <laughs> yeah, that's good, you know, yeah. but I just find that the benefit to a dog you might adopt that has some issues with confidence or other dogs, or maybe you have a dog that is a little aggressive towards other dogs and ACSW has a red bandana dog. So you put the red bandana and sometimes they have the parking in an area that's away from the other dogs. And that means to give the dog space. Mm -hmm. Like AKC dogs can be around in the parking lot and NACSW, the dogs have to be contained either in a crate or in your car. Oh, okay. So no dogs really meet. You're supposed mm -hmm. to potty them and then go and do your, you know, whatever, if you're competing. And even in class, all dogs are only one dog out at a time. So it actually gives people a chance to play with their dog that they may not ever get a chance to do because it's set up that way. Interesting. Yeah. And I think it's worth if, if you're, if anyone's thinking about dog sports or competition, I think it's worth to even just go to a show. Oh, you might think shows are just about snobby people with their fancy poodles, which I don't think is the case. Poodles are not snobby. And, <laughs> and the people that do confirmation are not snobby. It's just one aspect of the dog world. But go to a show and watch an obedience trial because it's so helpful. I had never really watched one outside of, there was one that used to be in our town that was outdoors and it was a whole different atmosphere than the indoor kind of shows. Anyway, so I just recently was starting to think about obedience competition and had and went to a fun match. And it was so eye opening because it little things that you wouldn't have thought of if you've been training on your own, you know, like, how are you leading and your mannerisms? And do you know what to do inside of a ring and how to show up and bringing a crate? It would have never occurred to me to bring a crate. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought, well, no, my dog could just sit by me. It's fine things like that, that you learn that by going and, and watching and being so amazed at these handlers and their dogs and also seeing some dogs that just do okay, that they're not perfect. You know, there's some, I, there was one giant schnauzer with this one woman that was amazing. Just like eyes on her, her recalls were so close. They were practically touching faces, <laughs> like just did amazingly quick to respond. My dogs aren't that perfect. But I've also, you know, seen some that messed up or made a mistake. And it's nice to say, hey, it's just people and it's just dogs and you don't have to be intimidated. It's just a fun thing to do together. Absolutely. And it's funny because we didn't have any perfect runs. And um, I thought, oh, maybe this last one, because the first one I messed up because I didn't read the sign right, which is <laughs> like what I dread. It, as I was starting to move on to the next sign, I saw I did it wrong. And that would have been like 10 points off. Oh. And when I saw I did it wrong, I turned to the judge and I said, oh, can I do that one again? And she nodded. And so I did it again. And they only took three off. Oh, nice. So then, then the second one, I can't remember what the second run, but the last run, I'm like, come on, we're going to pull this together now, right? We're going to do everyone right. So <laughs> he's so excited. He's doing so good. This is the third day. I only did one a day. And we did a come front and he downed. 
he came first, but then he got so excited. He's like, oh, do you want me to dunk? And he downed. And I'm like, oh, and then I looked at her and go, we're going to do that one again. <laughs> so it's some things you just can't control, you know, no. the puppy's so excited and he's, he's like, oh, you know, oh, you want me to do this instead of this? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's all right, dude. Let's just do that one again. So yeah. I, I just think, you can't be overly serious about any of that. You, you know, you don't want your dog to feel bad. You want to go out of the ring feeling like that was fun. Let's do it again. So that's how I, that's how I train my dogs and any people that come to me. I, I always train for, um, for happy couples, you know, mm-hmm. happy duos. Is there anything else that you feel would be helpful for people out there with doodles who either they've never thought of training or obedience competition or dog sports, or maybe are thinking about it, but you know, not sure. I say, go have fun with your dog. Go, go try it. Go watch it. Go. Our doodles are so smart. Now remember, this is what my fourth one. And, um, they're awesome. And we've gone to the, to almost the highest that you can go in all of these sports and, and, you know, people still look at you, Oh, it's a doodle, you know, or whatever. And, it, and then they watch your dog run and they're amazed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Helga in California, she's got all four of her doing nose work now. Wow. And it's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I'm trying to convince Nancy to do hers. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and uh, Helga actually went, one of the California romps, she um, set up some boxes so that they could all try it. Oh, cool. Your dogs are smart. They want to have fun. They want to be out there with you. And it's hard to explain that feeling when you, when you're done with something and you've done it well, and you, you've had fun together and it just makes, you know, your relationship all the better for it. Yeah, absolutely. But I encourage you all to do it, uh, to try, to go watch our doodles are incredible. You know, they're incredibly smart dogs and I think we should put their brains to work. Absolutely. They come from some of the best obedience breeds out there. Yep. So yeah, they can totally do it. And I would love to see more doodle representation out in the obedience ring. Me too. Well, stay safe and um, hopefully soon you can get back to all that fun stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It was awesome to see you. And uh, like I said, the more we can get the word out, we'll we'll have a lot happier dogs and people will realize, you know, that it's a lot of fun and that your relationship can grow. Yeah. Awesome. Well, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too, Adina. Bye. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Adina Pearson Nutrition. That's right. When I'm not talking doodle, I'm helping women of all ages find peace and joy with food. I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor specializing in eating disorders, emotional eating, and breaking free from yo-yo dieting. Struggling with food is common for a lot of people even when life is normal. With the added stress of today's required social distancing and anxiety over what the coronavirus pandemic means for our individual and collective future, feeding yourself in a normal and healthy way can get derailed. If you struggle with any level of disordered eating or obsessive thoughts about food, you will likely see an increase in these thoughts and behaviors during times like these. Or you might feel great pressure to eat just right from a place of anxiety and seeking to control something only to see it controlling you back. Or you might flip to the other extreme of putting your self-care with food way on the back burner and feeling worse because of it. 
If you're tired of food controlling your life or simply feel confused about what, when, or how you're supposed to eat in times like these and want to stress less about it without ignoring your health, I can help you restore peace and confidence to your eating. While I'm based in Washington, telehealth technology allows me to work with clients through many areas of the United States. Visit adinapearson.com to learn more. Don't spend another day fighting with food or your body. Reach out today to get started on a life free of food worries. You go to great lengths to take care of your dog's health. Don't forget to invest in your health and happiness too. Hi, Bonnie. Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast. Hi, how are you? I am good. I heard about you from one of our Doodle Kisses members when I was looking for people who were doing dog sports. And she's like, why not interview this person? And she sent me a link to the AKC page that listed all these champions. And your Jiggy was one of them. Yeah, he's a great dog. He's won a million times. (laughs) So I'm so thankful that you're able to take some time to chat with us today. Um, What kind of dog is Jiggy? He's a Labradoodle. He's an Australian Labradoodle. And he's one of the early ones. Uh, to come into the United States. How old? He's 15. 15. That's a tremendous. I'm so excited when I hear about doodles living past like 12 or 13. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's going strong. That's, that's awesome. That's wonderful. So tell us your dog story. Well, when I was born, the family had a Scotty named Penny McFarthing. And um, he went with us from Virginia to California, where I grew up. And somewhere along the line, we lost him. And I got various other dogs along the way, mostly mutts. I think Pinchapenny was the only uh, purebred dog I had. Um, Mostly I've gotten dogs from the pound or the last dog we had found us. She turned up one day at our house and um, we kept her. And we had her for 16 years. She was what the vet called a Bahamian pot cake. <laughs> so what what does that mean? Was she a big dog, a little dog, a furry dog? She was a beagle cross. And um, he said, the vet said that if you go to the Bahamas, any mixed breed dog is called a pot cake. Oh. So he called her a Bahamian pot cake. Got it. That was her official breed. <laughs> So how did you end up running across Australian Labradoodles? Well, um, we got here with my last Bohemian pot cake that is to Washington State. And um, she passed away a couple of months after we got here. And we spent a couple of years without a dog and traveled all over the world. And then I started crying at night. I said, I want a dog. So we got, we, we went to the pound and all we could find at the pound here were um, dogs that had problems. Um, and I live next door to an emergency room physician and he said, you bring one of those home, I'll burn your house. <laughs> <laughs> he was joking, of course, yeah. but, you know, and some friends of ours stopped by with their new Labradoodle puppy and it wasn't. Two weeks later, before we had Jiggy and his littermate Zuzu, and um, these are the first trained dogs we've ever had. So you had I two. Mean, you had littermates. Yeah, I had Jiggy and Zuzu. Zuzu passed away uh, last summer mm-hmm. from kidney failure, but still a pretty long life. 
Oh yeah. He was, they were great dogs. They were born on my birthday and they came home on my husband's birthday. Now, most trainers and dog professionals would probably warn against getting litter mates. And I'm wondering if, have you heard of litter mate syndrome? I have, you know, and I I hadn't heard about it until after yeah. we got. Do you the feel like your pups had that problem, or or did you get lucky? I, I guess I we got lucky. Um, Jiggy was the alpha, and Zuzu was the second lieutenant. You know, he he would be the one that would sit by the door and bark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jiggy would just um, lord of the manor, but we got them into dog training when they were oh maybe twelve weeks old. And we started with agility, and then we went on to obedience, and then we went on to rally, and then we went on to tracking and farm dog, and uh, let's see, what else? Uh, I don't know, barn hunt. Oh, yeah. And I became a barn hunt judge. Oh, wow. So that probably made a big difference, the fact that you had them in obedience right away, and they weren't just home alone bonding without being able to bond to the humans and and being afraid of being separated. You know, those are kind of the things that they talk about in litter mate syndrome is that you get two pups together from the same litter, and they tend to bond to each other more than they bond to their owners, and they develop a sort of like separation anxiety about each other. Well, my husband and I were retired by the time we got Jiggy and Zuzu, so they always had us um, around, Mm -hmm. one of us or both of us. And, um, you know, Zuzu was my dog, Jiggy was Charles's dog, but um, after Zuzu died, Jiggy sort of, you know, attached himself to me because I'm the dog walker, (laughs) (laughs) mostly. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, they they were both therapy dogs. Diggy mm. um, still is a therapy dog, although the hospital doesn't want anybody coming in that yeah. doesn't meet. And um, they were both grand champions at Barn Hunt. Wow. So. That's amazing. So you started just, when you started obedience with them, you said that was like your first training with dogs. The first dog I ever had that was trained. Did you yes. catch the and, fever right away or, or did it take a while before you thought that you would do anything more than just, you know, have some nicely trained pets? No, I, we um, liked it from the very beginning. We liked the whole scene of being in a dog club and um, doing something with the dog instead of just having them, you know, lie around. Mm-hmm. So we traveled a lot with them. We took them all over the uh, Washington and Oregon. And um, I don't think we, well, we never got down to California, but I did get over to Idaho. So, yeah, they went, our, they, we would spend weekends doing dog activities. And uh, we made a lot of friends. I probably have 50 friends I still am in contact with because of dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, training these dogs so and and labradoodles are just so intelligent and so good at um learning things and and they they're just happy and smart and obedient and you know i you know people say well you paid a lot for a mutt and i said yeah but you know if you average it over the the life of the dog we paid maybe hundred dollars a year yeah yeah that's that's nothing right so right if you 
it's not the cost of the dog. It's all, you know, you get 15 years of joy, hopefully, from that investment, regardless of if it's from a breeder or from the pound or from a rescue, you know, the cost is minor and you pay probably more through the life of the dog for just feeding it than anything that you would pay to purchase the dog. Having it groomed. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Grooming costs alone. Do you still have him groomed professionally or is that something you do now? I don't do it. I, um, I have him done professionally. I like the groomer and I, she does such a good job. I tried grooming him a couple of times, but then I, um, I nicked him once with the uh, electric things. And I said, I'm not doing this. I just didn't want to do it. It's a great idea, but it takes a lot of your day. I mean, it's a three to four hour process. Yeah. When, you know, if you're not doing it regularly, you're not going to do as great of a job. I tend to kind of make it a week long process where I'll do a bath and then maybe the next day I'll I'll start clipping and then it's halfway done. And I think, well, let's see in a couple of days if I still think I want to do the rest. (laughs) I'm looking at his titles and I'm going to just read them all and then I'm going to have you tell me what they are. (laughs) So what's his full name? Whispering Winds Jiggy. All right. And so Whispering Winds Jiggy, VCD1, RA, NJP, NF, THDX, CGC. So I feel like I need like um, audience clapping sounds right now. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) I'm going to go backwards from the CGC forward. I don't know if that's the right way, but CGC is, is a more minor title, I suppose. It's Canine Good Citizen. Canine Good Citizen. Yeah. And then the THDX, what is that one? That's um, therapy dog, excellent. Actually, he's distinguished. And what does that mean? That means he's had over 400 accredited, that is documented, um, visits to nursing homes or libraries, schools, um, uh, hospice, stuff like that. Okay, so it's the amount of time, the amount of work he's put into that. No, not the amount of time, the number of visits. Oh, visits, okay. And Zuzu also got that. So that meant 800 visits between the two of them or more like a thousand visits between the two of them. And of course, I had to go every time. (laughs) They don't just go and keep their... Have a good time at work, Chiggy. Yeah. So where was his, did he have a, you know, a main place that he did therapy or did he kind of make the rounds and all of the different areas? Well, we started out at a nursing home and then um, eventually we went to the local hospital and we worked there. And then we joined the Humane Society uh, Read to Dogs, Children Reading to Dogs in the Library. And I guess that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So nursing homes, library, hospice, hospital, hospital, you know. Did he seem to have a favorite between those? You know, he liked the hospital because he could get up on the bed and snuggle with people. And the people seemed to like it. He liked the children too, you know, mostly because they would pet him and go goo over him and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, What does the NF title mean? NF. I, I'm not sure. I, it might be. <laughs> he has so many. I can't remember them. <laughs> that's the best. Um, let's see. NJP. Oh, that's novice um, preferred jumper. You know, he, agility, when they do these um, versatile 
dog things. They take a little bit of this title and a little bit of that title and a little bit of that title, and they put them all together. And then you get th these versatile titles, which are, I don't know, derivative titles, but... So I'm just I, Googling this, and NF is for, it's a fast title in novice, novice fast, okay. I guess. Yeah. So that's probably an agility title. Mm -hmm. RA? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Probably rally? I know that. Would it be rally? Rally. Yeah, rally. Rally advanced, maybe? Yeah. Okay. He did that, and let's see. He's got farm dog, although that didn't show up in the list of things. Farm dog was, I thought, one of the stranger titles. You know, you'd go to a farm and he walks, you walk up to goats and cows and stuff. And if the dog doesn't do anything of not, <laughs> they give him a title. It's like so. a CGC on the farm. like Exactly. Yeah. They have to remain calm around it. Oh, and the, um, the therapy dog to get qualified to be a therapy dog, you have to go to a situation where people are shouting at each other, waving uh, walkers or, you know, <laughs> it's hilarious but the dog just you know he takes it they, labradoodles you know they can do they can tolerate just about anything so. many can yeah and what um organization did you do therapy with pet partners okay. uh, i started out with therapy dog international but the hospital required pet partners so i switch to pet partners which was fine yeah they're a washington-based group anyway now what is vcd1 versatile companion dog and that means that he not only has a cgc but he has all these other titles that go along with it and that makes him versatile mm. so he's not just an agility dog he's all these other things that akc wanted to Combine. And this, does he have his CD? His novice will be, is that what that means? That he has a CD and these other things? Yes. Okay. He has this, yeah, he, he, he has companion dog. He has canine good citizen. He has, you know, I mean, just you name it. We have it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is 15 years of playing with your dog. So, so as somebody working with their dog toward all these titles, did Jiggy have any like struggles like did he have any areas where he you know tended to be more naughty or you know was he you know kind of things that people complain about their pet dogs he was interested in everything zuzu was somehow a lot better at barn hunt but jiggy um got to grand champion you know he never got as many grand champion plus one plus two plus three as zuzu did but he, um, yeah, and as a matter of fact, when we started doing barn hunt, that's what impelled me to get to be a judge in, in dog sports. So, yeah, it was, we helped each other achieve things. Yeah, so for somebody who's just, you know, generally has pet dogs but doesn't do much obedience with them, how would you encourage them or what would you think they need to know about doing any kind of dog sports? Well, the dogs love it and it's, it's teamwork and they bond to you and they, um, it's a way, it's a way to make the dog closer 
and more delightful. I mean, I can take this dog anywhere and he'll behave himself. And um, he's just charming. He really is. He's a charming animal. So, and oh, he can also do um, 30 dog tricks. So. Oh. so that's fun when you, when you take him out for a walk and you see a little kid that he read to in the library um, some months back. He's, you know, these kids will, you see them in the park and they'll go, oh, there's Jiggy. And they drag their parents <laughs> over. And then we let Jiggy do some tricks and uh, everybody gets delightful. You know, it's just, it's just fun. It it's is. really, not, it's great to have a dog like that. It is. I think the, probably one of the better sports you could do if you don't have a whole lot of time is tracking because, you know, it's essentially telling your dog to pay attention to smell, which is what dogs are good at anyway. And they, they live in their noses. We live in our eyes. And, um, you know, you, you find somebody that has a tracker dog and get some help or get a book and um, start doing that just for the fun of it. And um, you'll be surprised. It's not just fun but it's 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 a useful skill and um you know sometimes i ask the dog to look for somebody and i give him some scent to find and and you know the little girl across the street has a labradoodle and it got loose and it, it ran off we live in a park or near a park that's about 10 acres and the Labradoodle got into the park and um, the little girl came over and said, can you have Jiggy find my dog? So we took Jiggy out and sure enough, <laughs> he found the dog. <laughs> That's awesome. So all they need is um, a scent trail mm -hmm. and something to start with, you know, and, and she had his uh, leash, her leash. It was a female dog. And she let Jiggy smell the leash and he took off. And sure enough, he found he found Lexi. Oh, that's wonderful. So how for something like Rally or a companion dog title, how much time on a daily basis do people need to think about? They're going to need to practice and go over their training. You know, when you start, 10 minutes a day will, will be sufficient because the dog, you know, has to get used to it has to be rewarded, has to, um, you know, think that this is fun. So start small and, uh, you know, increase it after, say, three weeks, go to 20 minutes and that kind of thing. So, I, I you know, if, if you could, I strongly recommend joining a dog training club just for the um, fellowship and the attention and the encouragement you get. And so I, I am eternally grateful for the Chuckanut Dog Training Club. They absolutely made these two dogs wonderful dogs. So I bet once this quarantine is over, <laughs> people will be so yeah. excited to connect. All the dog training clubs will be full. <laughs> okay, here's a tip for people that have a dog that won't come to them. You know, mm -hmm. this, is, this is what you want to do when you're home with the dog, um, get, say you have a family of two kids and two adults, you get them in a circle, you put a leash on the dog, everybody has treats, 
one person calls the dog and holds the leash and gives just a little tiny tug. And if the dog comes, you say, good dog, give it a treat and throw the leash to someone else. And they call the dog by name, Chiggy come, little tug. Eventually the dog will get to the point where you don't need to tug. He will just come because you're rewarding him. And you can get, you can, you can get a dog uh, trained like that in a week or less. Mm-hmm. And I think having your dog come on call is one of the most important things you can teach it. Yeah, so. very, very important. So for those people who have never been in a ring and never seen a dog competition and are just learning about this, you know, for the first time, what would, you know, how, tell them about how you actually put a title on a dog. Is it, it's not just showing up and going through the motions. It takes a few more sessions, right? It depends on the title. I mean, if, if you have a trick, you want to say trick dog. So you, you find somebody that can, is, qualified to give you a trick dog and you if you have gotten canine good citizen that counts as five tricks and you need 10 tricks to get a title so if you can teach your dog five tricks you get a title and you don't have to compete against anybody it's just you and the trainer and a trick would be something like um, shake uh, roll over play dead, um, jump through my arms, that kind of thing. And those are, those are fairly easy to get. The hard ones, the, the, the competitive ones, you know, you have to um, enroll in a contest, uh, take your dog to the contest, and then you compete against other people, and you have judges that will say, oh, yeah, you did that right, and they time it. And so you have a first, second, third kind of thing fourth generally in in dog sports and um if you pass so many times you get a title Mm -hmm. so you have to go to say three dog trials to get uh and do perfectly or not perfectly but you know you have to pass every time um if you pass three times in agility you get a novice agility you pass three more times at a higher level, you get a higher um, title. So, yeah, and it's fun. It's, it's I don't know, we, we just had a great time doing this with the two dogs. And, and my husband and I, since we each had a dog, it wasn't, it wasn't something I was doing or he was doing. It was something we were doing together and it was something the dogs were doing. And it just made everybody closer and you know it's a good thing it's a very good thing for teamwork yeah absolutely and right now I only have one almost 10 year old labradoodle and I'd been thinking about and thinking about going for a companion dog title with her and in January we did a fun match and I thought okay I think we can we can be ready for the the March big event so I signed up and then this whole coronavirus thing happened and the event, the event wasn't canceled, but for me, I felt like I just didn't want to risk that because there'd be people from all over Washington coming to this and Washington was one of our top, top states early on. So 
just to be safe, I decided to skip out on it, which I had, you know, mixed feelings. Maybe I should have gone, but the fact is everything else is canceled. So it would have been months and months and months before I would have finished it anyway. Trust me, you did the right thing. There's, there's no point in, you know, anyway. Yeah, no. So I don't know when this show airs, whether we'll still be in a quarantine or semi-quarantine or not. But if we are, stay home, everybody. Yeah. And you know what? You can get books from the AKC on what's expected for every single title. Mm-hmm. And you can train at home. Yeah. And, and while you're home being quarantined, you might as well do something useful. Yeah, absolutely. When you go on a walk, pause at every you know, light post and do something or stop at the end of, you know, before you cross the street and, and try something else. And actually, I just read and you I have to double check to be sure. And I'll put a link in our notes in our show notes. But I've heard that AKC is allowing for trick dog titles done at home. If you videotape your dog doing the tricks, you can send it in or somehow qualify. Yes, that's true. I It used to be that you could do that for the advanced titles, but not for the baby titles but by now they've probably changed that rule they've always allowed you to do some trick dog stuff at home Uh uh-huh too bad i can't do a cd at home because i bet we do much better (laughs) yeah well yeah good luck good luck with your um title pursuit it's a lot of fun thank you yeah i hope we i hope we get to do it while she's still young enough to feel up to it so i'm curious is there anything else that you think people should know you know about obedience, about competition, about just excellent dog ownership? Well, okay. As a judge, I see people that just get mad at their dogs for mistakes they're making. Just if you go into a competition of any kind, just think of it as a game and try and have fun. Because if you assign too much ego, you're going to ruin it for yourself and for the <laughs> Try and be a Buddhist monk doing oh. a beat. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What's the point if it's not fun? You're not making millions of dollars. It's not like you're going to win some giant award. So might as well make it fun. You're going to get a ribbon, you know, but <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Just tell everybody, relax, have fun. Um, Don't get mad at the dog. It's usually the owner that's doing the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's all on us because the dog's only going to do as well as we've taught it and as well as we're doing. I know when I did the fun match, because I've trained completely on my own. I've had some correspondence with trainers, but I haven't been to a class regularly. So years and years of just training on my own. And when I went to the fun match, you know, the other, I don't know if any of them were judges, but they were part of the training club. They were able to point out um, that I was walking in a certain way or that I was awkward here or there, or, you know, kind of staring at my dog too much or, you know, my left and right turns. (laughs) I don't know, left from right sometimes in the ring or the way I was doing the figure eights I, you know, they gave me some hints on how to improve that. And all of those things made a big difference in how my dog Boca responded. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, when we joined Chuckanut dog training, it was the best thing we did after buying the dogs. So yeah. Yeah. Get training. It, it's worth every penny, especially if you're going to go into competitions. 
Yeah, I wish we had. We don't have a a good training group or a great training facility. There's a trainer that rents a gym from a school, but it's not hers. So there's not stuff there where you can go and practice. And that's a bummer. The closest place is the Tri-Cities, which is an hour away. Yeah, there's a pretty good group down in um, Three Rivers that I've been over there. So anyway, yeah, keep it up. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Bonnie, for coming to chat with us today. Hope you continue to have a lot more time with Jiggy and um, have fun with dogs. Okay, you too. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast. If you have any ideas or recommendations for future topics or guests, send me an email at admin at doodlekisses.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at doodlekisses.com. Also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts so you can have every episode ready to listen to as soon as it comes out. The show notes will link you to our GoFundMe page as well as links to some of the things we discussed in today's episode. Talk to you next time on the next episode of the Doodle Kisses podcast.